What's up, bikers? I'm Robert. This is the Biker Bar Podcast, episode 123. Those of you guys that are watching, you can see that I'm not in the normal studio. It's 107 or some ridiculous number outside right now. So I'm inside with the air conditioner because like my college professor said, the reason you go to college is for air conditioning. Anyways, here, here we are going to have Trail Forks on episode 123. I'm really stoked to t- have this conversation. Those of you guys that have been following for a while, you guys know what's coming right now. If you could do me a favor, swing by my Instagram or my Facebook, give me a follow over there. That would be awesome. I really appreciate that. And seeing those numbers grow as well as like the thumbs up and the subscribes on this channel make me happy. So it's not that much effort and you get a little more more insight into what's going on with the podcast as well as the biker channel itself. And outside of that, if you want to really help support the channel, if you want to help keep the beer fridge full or buy the new camera, I picked up the new Rode Go wireless set today so that I can do interview in-person interviews even better. And that happens because the guys on Patreon, guys and gals, everybody on Patreon, they are the ones that are making that happen. So if you want to help out the channel, it's as little as a buck a month or five bucks a month, or you could actually send me a thousand dollars a month. I don't really care. It's up to you. (laughs) I would appreciate anything. Um, with all of that being said, I'm going to go ahead and bring our guest back on. We got Todd. How's it going, Todd? I'm doing good. Living the dream, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> much as I can, I guess, yeah. I got a buddy that always says, nightmares are dreams too, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Right? So um, we're if, if you want to go ahead and give me a little introduction of what you do at Trail Forks, that way people understand who you are, and then we can go from there, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, so... Uh, right now I'm the product manager for trail forks, uh, the product app, web, all that. Uh, I began from the beginning. So, uh, the trail forks application, the web, everything was kind of a multiple people working together. And, uh, but it was initially us kind of doing our own thing. And so I was doing my own website, interactive website here where I live in Utah and uh, had another guy up in Squamish, Canada, doing the same thing. And we kind of came together and uh, in uh, and then Pink Bike picked us up. And 2014, we kind of launched effectively. Uh-huh. Um, but we were actually around before then. And so I've been doing this with them the whole time and before. So, so how'd you get into bikes? Uh, I grew up in Palo Alto, California, where biking was kind of crazy. Palo Alto bicycles, Skyline Road. uh, uh, And so it was really big there, uh, mostly fire roads, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken. So uh, we were mostly doing that kind of crazy kind of riding. Wasn't like great single track, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I I guess I've I've been doing it for a a long time, just... uh, I was one of those kids in high school way, way back then, the more spandex got really into it, you know, uh, yeah, for, yeah. Is, this is like late eighties. Like that, that's, that's a long time ago. Yeah. I, I started mountain biking in the early nineties. So, I mean, I was definitely like yeah, the yeah. BMX crew in the late eighties. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was biking. Yeah. For me, like building sketchy jumps on my, my sister's bike, but uh, uh, like mountain biking, mountain biking was more high school for me. So it's like early nineties. Uh, uh-huh. First time I was, would go up the fire roads around Arastadero and uh, in the Bay Area up to like Skyline, and 
um, was 91 and 92. And then we jump in the reservoir. You can't yeah, do yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's all gated off. And it's impossible. Yeah. Now, but we were yeah, jumping. Mountain, mountain biking was a lot different back then. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It was like, you know, a top of the line bike was still all rigid, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my my bike was all fully rigid back then. I can't remember the first my first full suspension bike was uh, a Proflex. I don't know if you remember it was an elastomer shock. It wasn't yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Right? It's like the last that was full suspension. It was my first one. Uh and I'm trying to think back how far along was that was 95, 95, 96. Yeah. Yeah. My brother in law has that bike. That's awesome, actually. The bike that I originally, my first real mountain bike, let's say, um, was this old giant. And uh, I, I took a, a break from riding for, for a while, like I had young kids and, and stuff like that. And uh, when I came back, I like sent a message to to my, my grandma. That's where the bike was at. I was like, hey, send that out to my house. And it got there. And I was like, man, this thing's just a piece of garbage. I ended up putting it out on the street with a free sign. Somebody took it in like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And I wish now that I would have kept it because it would have been a cool bike to kind of like turn into a single speed or, right. you know, like your, your around town bike or something that you didn't really care too much right. about just for like nostalgic purposes. But right. I still think about doing that sometimes, you know, get, but you, you're still stuck with that geometry. Whatever the geometry would have been, it would have yeah. been a you know, quill step. You can kind of like, I always thought about getting something like something like that, just a hardtail, like a chameleon or something, and then putting all the richy polished, you know, parts on it. It, uh -huh. it kind of looks that way, but then yeah. I forgot the geometry, right? That's kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I bought a, a chameleon a few years ago and that was a really, really fun bike. Right, right. So uh, along the way, then you're you're obviously you were into cycling from a young age. Then what was it that made you decide to start doing that website that you know kind of yeah. pulled out together? So it it, it kind of depends on who you ask at Trail Forks. I can tell you a little bit about some of the other guys too, but um, from my story is I actually started my own interactive mountain bike website in 2009 here in Utah. And I did that because initially, like here in Utah, there's a website called utahmountainbiking.com. And that kind of was the, really the, the OG of all the mountain biking information. But like anything back then, it suffered from just seeing each regional area. And mm -hmm. the thing I really wanted to do was like, how can I ride from Park City to my house? Right. I had to connect like three maps and, and you know, these really right. long distances where I want to see how because you can only see it was always trail systems. Right. And that was the first thing. And so I was like, and, but back then there was no apps. There was no there was web and uh, Google Maps had come out, which is like their first mapping API. And I was a software mm. engineer. Uh, I was actually doing fiber optic management and stuff. So I was already doing map development, spatial development. Mm. And uh, so my first version was like, well, I just need to have this on my Garmin. So I started building a Garmin map. This was all a Garmin map. And, and, and I actually started selling it at the local bike shop. And they were selling it for $50 a pop for my Garmin base map that would go on like a 701. I can't remember the names of those old black and white computers. Right? And then- Oh, people, yeah, yeah. I, I have you remember one. those? A big one with the joystick. It's like a- 
Oh, uh, okay. Well, the joy- I don't remember the joystick. I, I think the first one I had was like the Edge 300 or something like that. Oh, okay. Okay. I think this was before. Th- Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, it must have been before that because I don't remember the joystick. Yeah. Uh, um, they, they actually had really good GPSs even back then in there. Um, so, yeah. I, 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 so, I made a map for the shop and then people would come in the shop and be like, yeah, I know. Uh, the the uh, Garmin already has trails. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. They don't like they have like one or two, like they're horrible. Those bold maps yeah. back then, no trails. And I was yeah, like, yeah. this is data from all the Utah trails of like the real trails. And then mm-hmm. people still didn't believe me. So I was like, well, I'm going to show them. So I created a online web map with all the trail data. So and you would just go out and ride it and then use your GPX files to like upload or how were you? So, getting so the, the, the bike shop was utahmountainbiking.com. And they actually um, had been tracking them and to put them on their website. So they just gave me a hard drive full of like 10 years of GPS tracks from like the very first versions of Garmin's and GPS. from. And I bought it from them, actually. And right, so I'm, right. I'm going to sell this map. So I'll buy it from you. And I bought that data from them. And then we cut a deal where I was like, well, let's just split the money for selling the Garmin map. And so uh, we did that. And so I took all their data. And then I put myself and I put the map on their website and I was like, this is what's on the garment. And everyone's like, yeah, that's nice. But that's nice about the garment part. But I just want to see these trails online. Like, 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 I can't believe this. You've got everything. And it was all color coded by difficulty because they had already uh, their website had determined and rated what was difficult and what was not. And so I did this oh, first wow. version. Uh, and this was kind of by the time I got it developed, I think it was about maybe 2010. Um, and so then I was like, wow, well, this is what people really want. And so I started to cultivate relationships around the area. So people in Arizona, people in Colorado, people in Arizona, in, uh, Arizona Nevada, everything were in my area. And I started collecting more and more data because they saw what we were doing and they wanted to add to the map. Now, at the same time, a developer in um, Squamish, or he was actually in Vancouver at the time, was doing the same thing. And his website was called Trail Forks. My website was actually called Skid Map. That's what I called it. Okay. And, uh, and so uh, he was doing the same thing. And I was building like a little route builder and all this stuff. And he emailed me and was just like, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And I was like, oh, you're doing the same thing. I was like, oh, this is cool. I, know, I had no plans to do this in Canada. I was just like, oh yeah, I do it this way. And we, we started comparing notes. Um, and then, and then there was a point where um, I, you probably remember the Imba teamed up with like a the mountain project thing and they started pushing uh, their map. And I had a bunch of um, contributors that just kind of fell off my radar and they're like, oh, well, you know, your map's really cool. And I love the interaction. It's really great. But, but I, I think I'm going to help out Imba because they're a nonprofit. And I mean, I wasn't making any money at the time. But yeah, so I, you're like, I'm nonprofit too. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I'm not making. Yeah, I, I sold my road bikes so I could pay to do this, right? I wasn't yeah. giving up my mountain bikes, but I sold my road bikes. Um, and, uh, and, and I was just like, well, I, I don't have this kind of like backing at all to, to support this and to get more contributors, uh, you know, and, um, and then, uh, so the Trevor May, who is the person who developed the original, original Trail Forks website, reached out to me and was like, well, if you're not going to do this, um, you should join us. And so we all kind of went underground and, and got things together. And he effectively, they effectively pulled in my data. Some of my kind of the tech, I kind of did submit, like, like back, the, it, people don't realize the evolution, but there was a time when all these interactive maps didn't have any labels on the trail. 
they were interactive, but you couldn't actually see the name of the trail on the map, right? So I had done some early development for that and um, things like that. So we, we combined forces to get a map together and to, to launch Trail Forks. And it was backed by Pinkbike at the time. So. Mm -hmm. so was it all like GPX kind of stuff or were you guys using some kind of GIS for that or? Yeah, so it, it, my system was, uh, I was keeping everything in po PostgreSQL. So it was, all, it, was all, it was all in Postgres, like a database, right? And, uh -huh. and, and, and what would you do? So from the start, all of us have always used open source tools. And, and the reason for that is, I mean, there's a lot of people that use Esri and, and those, those uh, you know, ArcGIS and that kind of thing to manage these large systems. But we found that with the open source tools, we we're all developers. And if we wanted to do something different or special or specific, which we were doing a ton of that, like there were so many times when we were just like, nobody does this. We're just going to write it ourselves, just like yeah. the labels. No one has labels on their trails. We're going to write it ourselves, you know? And so, uh, so we would use these tools down for projects and then we would develop and make our own versions of stuff. So uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's how yeah, we do yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Plus it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we no, Yeah. None of us had money. In fact, um, the even pink bike uh, bringing in trail forks, they originally bought my site. Um, but at that point, I was effectively a volunteer. They're paying me a little bit maintenance kind of made to do some stuff. Um, but I worked for pink bike trail forks working on this for probably four or five years and effectively not getting paid. Like, yeah. 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 So it was just kind of like a side gig thing for you. Yeah, it was, it was like, like you a said, passion yeah, project. Was, uh, yeah, the, the, the founder of Pink Bike called it my bike fund. He's like, this is your uh -huh. bike fund. This just enabled me to keep buying new bikes, get my own bikes, you know? Right, it, right. It, it, I didn't have to explain it to the wife, oh, you yeah, know? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's what, <laughs> basically, that's what my YouTube channel is right now. <laughs> right, right. I only need like a thousand more people on Patreon, then maybe it'll be more than that, so. <laughs> right, sounds good. So, um. You, you talked about a guy in Squamish and a guy and yourself in Utah. Then were the other two guys like geographically somewhere else? Because I think you said originally it was four, right? Yeah, yeah, four. And then, well, the founder of Pink Bike, who was Radic Burkett, he, um, he actually brought it all together under the Pink Bike umbrella so that he could, you know, make, make it real, put, put a little money behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what happened was, was we had like a main contributor person who was gathering all the data. Uh, and then that person switched to another person and then, and then they pulled the main pink bike developer who was developing all the little tools and things in the back end of, of pink bike. And they brought him over to work on trail forks. So when we all got it started, we had three developers and, uh, we had the kind of the content manager contribute. He kind of just managed all the data and curated the data and worked with all the trail associations. And we did so much outreach work to work with trail associations. And a lot of it was a lot of the main issue with the mountain bike trail stuff going public is so many illegal trails, so much illegal data. And even today, open street map and, and other pro things like that are just covered with that kind of data. And so, uh, yeah, because when it first started, you guys were just taking like submissions from riders, right? Um, well, we were, we were, yeah, submissions. People would just submit. They'd go ride and they'd submit. And we didn't have an app at the time when we first started. They would record with their GPX and we had a way for people to submit and contribute. So part of the development before we launched was- but You didn't really have people. like a way that you would be vetting it as like, this is a legit trail. It was just well, like- The only way was it. So this is what we did is, is, is initially we created kind of a GIS system of our own. 
Uh, that was part of the launch. And people could come in and start to contribute. And then we had a trust scores, right? So you would mm -hmm. basically like, if they contributed enough data and it was approved by the content manager, then it would, and then it would be, they would get a higher trust score and then their, their, their edits could go through. That was the beginning. We get so many submissions now that we have an entire hierarchy of regional people that in different areas that moderate that. And, and a lot of it's, again, back to the privacy issue, places that are very sensitive, especially in big destinations like Moab, Park City, they mm -hmm. moderate it. They subscribe to any edit, any notification, and they make sure that anything going on there or being changed will be legit. Um, some of these guys, they, they, they're on that site within minutes of a trail being updated or changed to be sure that it's not Is there some kind of group that you can join when you're on the Trail Forks website where you're like, hey, I want to be notified anything like pops up in my area or something? Yeah, for sure. You can go into your, se into your settings on your account and you can list any of the things that you want to get notifications for. By default, I believe we send out like when conditions change. Uh, but you can say, oh, in this area, I want to know if a new trail was added, edited, a new route was added, edited. Mm -hmm. And the trail associations, they subscribe to all that for their specific. Uh, I see. So they, so they know for sure. And, and, and it helps keep the, you know, the data legit. And that's one thing the trail associations, you know, really like about it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these trail associations at the same time, they want to see what's on there and they'll comment and that kind of thing but they're often just digging. They're out there digging trails, driving a truck. And a lot of them, they love the fact that they don't even have a computer. They Or they're like, oh, I just check my email in the morning or I check it on my yeah, phone. Yeah. They're not going to go in there and edit trails. That's where we have to have staff that actually adds the data, fixes it. Like uh, one complaint with people saying, oh, you guys are taking data people give you and then you're selling it. Honestly, we have like, if you look at the bulk of the data, it's contributed by the uh, by not a ton of people and then and and you don't realize that a lot of those we do pay on the side and mm -hmm. then of those either we 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 support them in other ways or we uh and then and then when it does come into our staff it's a ton of work to connect it make sure it's legit and how yeah. many know a trail is good for hiking biking, Komodo's go on it. They don't always know those things. They just submit the trail. So we have to go then research it, figure out all those different aspects. Oh, they got the direction wrong. Oh, they didn't connect it. Uh, this is not, you know, we have to go do all that, that. And then we have to go revisit these areas constantly to make sure that they're up to date and that everything's connected. And um, I think that people are going to complain about paying for anything, no matter what, because oh, for sure, the internet just set this standard initially where like everything's free. And then, um, reality came came about right and it's like oh well servers cost money and the time that it takes to program costs money and i want to feed my kids and myself and uh <laughs> like all of those things come come into play and and okay well it makes sense you know as long as the the content is worth the cost then i mean it'll it'll work itself out right so yeah. If you set the cost too high, nobody will use it. Somebody else will come out with something else, you know? And so right. like, I don't know, that to me is like, I guess capitalism, but you know. Yeah. Maybe too, huh? I was going to say, if people really knew what the four, the four kind of of us went through for the last eight years to make this happen, 
uh, and the amount of, I mean, we are paying for stuff ourselves. We, I mean, yeah. we, so many things. So when we finally were like, and, and honestly, when the paywall came up, it, it was a, it was a little bit of a do or die. Um, I mean, it, not exactly, but what happened was, was COVID hit. Cause this was in, we went, we, we brought up the paywall in 2020. Um, yeah. Hit. yeah. What was really interesting was the pattern of usage of the site changed. You suddenly had all these people that didn't know about trails, didn't know where to look, and they were just panning around all over the place. And we were mm -hmm. getting so many tile loads that we we're like suddenly getting these bigger bills for like, you know, it's like, oh, what's your elevation bill from the Google elevation service? It's like, you know, it's a couple hundred dollars. And then this month it's like, oh, it's six grand this month. Like, wait, what happened? It's suddenly you just... <laughs> You know, we're like, wait, what? I mean, we ended up going out and, and, and then I wrote our own elevation service just to cut out that bill. I was like, well, yeah. I, it's worth it for me now to just write that service. And, and, and What's the service? What's the elevation service? What's that mean? So like, uh, like if you want to, if someone submits a trail and there's no data for the elevation, we uh -huh. need to draw the profile, right? Okay. So we have to go get that data from somewhere. And oh. anybody who provides an elevation service, in other words, you say, what is the what is the elevation for this polyline or what is the elevation yeah yeah here's this gpx coordinate it now. returns it now you can go do that on a lot of websites you know here and there but uh you'll reach your quota fast when you're like a trail forks and then now yeah. now, now you add that that we provide all of our data to garmin to come that comes on the edge units right and and they they have to we have to clean all the data to make sure it connects really well so that their routing works and when we do that, we have to pre-assign every single point with a GPS point, an elevation point, so that they can paint the graphic before you ride. Like, they, like the Garmin yeah. will show you the elevation for a trail or a route before you ride it. So it right. all has to be there. Um, so we every time we clean that data, we have to run every single trail through the elevation service. And so it was just cost prohibitive. And so we wrote our own service. When you guys, So yeah. when you guys first started, you had some of your own like local data how do you go from like your local data to national data like um, did you collect that for a while like under the table or like or was yeah. it like hey these are the only sections that we have right now submit some stuff and eventually it'll be your area will be there right yeah so 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 uh, okay so there's two pieces to it uh one was sites like mine Pinkbike came in and said, oh, you guys have a lot of data on your site. You have trails for all over these four or five states. Um, um, what, what, what will it cost? We'll buy it from you. We want to uh -huh. buy it. Right. And so and, and it was a destination too, Park City, Moab. Right. And, and, and right. the data I had was better than anything out there at the time. And so. Um, so, yeah. So and I used to go down to my son used to play soccer tournaments in the winter down in Vegas. So I had all that mapped out really well. And so they they um, they bought all that. Um, and then we did some things with other sites, same kind of thing. But once we had these big destinations built out, then a lot of times we'd research, um, and, um, the, 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 and we'd, we'd ask for it, tell people to record it, send it in. And we started, uh, uh curating it that way. But one but thing was the site live at that point, like, was, that? was like trail fork site live and you were just adding it in as you could get it. Yeah. Or okay. was it, it was like. There. Okay. Yeah, so. because because it's, so this is what okay. So this here's, here's so a like example. when I when you first started, let's just say I logged in and I'm in Northern California, there would be nothing, and but there right. would be like a, a a a link or something that would say, hey, if you want to submit something, go for it, yeah. Ed. Yeah, you kind of had to start with some something like that. A lot of yeah. areas were empty um, at the beginning, and then some areas were of course stronger than others as far as as, far as content. 
Um, so here's an example. I, I noticed Trail Forks going global and starting to do this and starting to add data on the back. Cause I knew, I knew Trevor, you know, we'd already talked. Um, and so I reached out and I was like, um, you guys are downloading some of my data. You know, at, at the time I didn't really put anything on there like proprietary or copyright. I just let anybody download it. And yeah. of course I used like the Facebook login. You know, I didn't have time to write some big security system. I was like Facebook <laughs> login, Facebook comments, you know, I made it really right. simple. Um, so I could tell who was downloading the data. Um, and it happened also with the, with the, you know, the MTV project, they were downloading all my data too. Several of the people that left to go do their project and to launch back in 2012, just completely data dumped like my whole site. And so that's, that's actually how I knew that they were doing what they were doing both. Right. And so I approached both of them actually at the time I was like, um, yo, yeah, you guys are kind of like taking my data. That's not cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? Um, and the, the mountain project guys just, did, just blocked all my comments and just wouldn't pay attention to me. The founder of Pink Bike Radic immediately called me up, and he was like, "Dude, so we we didn't see anything on your site. We're just trying to collect data. It's yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. We'll totally remove it all. But how much will you sell it for us? Like right. sell it to yeah. us for? Yeah, yeah. We're super cool about it. And I was like, right. Yeah, I, I I can get behind that. You know, if you want to send me some money, great. You know, at that time I was so burned out. I was doing two, this job and my other working full time, you know, to pay the bills and then doing the website and spending all this money to try and promote it. Um, and I was just like anything just to, you know, get some of my bikes back and backfill some of the pain. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it was totally cool, but they were super cool about it. And so, uh, sure. so then I kind of just signed on to just doing some work to show, you know, migrate the data, show mm -hmm. them how I did some of those other cool things that they, they couldn't do. Some of the things that our you know com competitors couldn't do um and then uh, i just i just kept doing it they were like well this you're doing some cool stuff here to some cool programming let's just keep you doing it and so they yeah you know, threw me a little money very little money but uh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i mean we we i don't know if, if you've been there from the beginning you'd see trail forks had zero advertising we never have never had a single ad on our site on trail mm -hmm. forks um and so yeah that's so cool. when you guys started so you start building this this database and let's you know you guys are all together working on it um was the was it like the goal was to always try to keep it free or was it like okay we need to like get to a certain point and then yeah. we're going to monetize it or like how did how did you like have that good question decision? good question so uh, originally the plan was for pink bike to finance it and that we were going to use our karma program to help trail associations. That was the goal. The What's goal the karma was, program? Can you explain so the, that? Oh, yeah, so the karma program is uh, so it's a, a program we started really early on where um, you can contribute money to your local trail association. And we pass it through 100%. We don't keep a penny off that. We never have. Uh -huh. So and then, what, and then what we're going to do is use that for statistics also for the trail association. So for instance, you go out on the trail, you have your favorite trail, you're like, this is the best trail ever. I want more trails like this. I'm going to contribute money to this trail. So the trail association knows this is where the money should go and they should build trails like this. And so okay, we still have yeah. that system in place, right? So you can go to any trail and you can say, uh, on behalf of this trail or this region or this trail system, I want to contribute money. I want to donate money. And it goes 100% to the local trail system. And that was the original plan was to just try and support trail systems. And as it started to get very expensive servers, blades, in order to serve up the tiles, we had to just install 
thousands of dollars of MVME drives. We were doing all yeah. in-house and um, we were trying to figure out other ways. Like, well, maybe, maybe bike shops can help us, you know? And it was just like, no, bike stop. They don't have money. You know what I mean? I mean yeah, right. some, of do. some of the big ones do, but for the most part, they're just scraping by. We need to help them too. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's not going to work. Um, and then we really were going for a long time and we were a little bit kind of like this, you know, dislike stepchild of pink bike because pink bike was generating all the money and we were just leeches. We were just, right. you know, um, and, and we weren't even very expensive, uh, for, uh, you know, relative. So, um, and then, uh, and then again, COVID hit and suddenly we were like, we, there's all these things. And, and then there's like, there's all these things we want to do. We want to hire people on full time. We want to hire some other developers so we can concentrate on the app so it's better. And we people are asking for all these features all the time. Uh, and then we were doing a bunch of stuff that people don't know about. So for instance, we have a whole search and rescue interface that, that's used all over for search and rescue at locations. We have oh, all these wow. things that people don't even know about that, that we're, we've been developing. And um, we just wanted to make them all better. We had done so many little things that we got to make this better. And then the cost of people panning around, loading the tiles, elevation, all that stuff. We're like this week, we, we got to do something we, or else. I don't know. It would be so, so for people that aren't super tech savvy, basically what you're talking about is as you're moving your map around, it's loading tiles of the map onto the screen and right. that's costing you bandwidth that you're right. having to pay for basically. Right. So, yeah. So, 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 so when you got a thousand people doing it, it's not that big of a deal. And all of a sudden you got like a million people doing it. It's like, yeah. Oh crap. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah, I don't know how much I can say numbers, but we're talking millions over yeah. like Memorial day weekend, just using the website millions. Wow. And so, yeah, that kind of, that kind of traffic, it takes, takes quite a bit, even just the infrastructure in the back. Um, and we don't use cloud. We don't use Amazon. We do use a CDN to distribute it, but we have all of our own servers, all of our own uh, server cage. Um, and we would just go down in there and yeah. 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 So that's, that's interesting though. So, I mean, a lot of people, a lot, most people that aren't in tech mm -hmm. just assume that, you know, you, you, the internet's just inside of there. You, you know what I mean? Like they don't really look at the, the, the infrastructure that runs all the things, let alone the people, you, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and the cost of that stuff is, is not even something that's like on their radar. They're like, Oh yeah, I can buy this, this hard drive or thumb, thumb drive, you know, for, for a hundred bucks. And it has a terabyte and I've only used 50 gigs my entire life. So they, they think that like storage right. is cheap, you know, but yeah, they don't realize when you start getting into these like storage arrays, I'm, I'm trying to keep it simple for, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you start getting, these are hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. for these units. And then yeah. you have to put them all across the, 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 the U S or the globe so mm -hmm. that you can actually serve things faster to people geographically. Yeah. So, um, the CDN does some of that. Have, yeah. huh? The CDN does some of that for us, right. you know, the, but, but yeah, but no, you're totally right. And, and when we did go paywall originally, if you guys have ever used the, like the heat map on mm -hmm. our thing, th those were, rasters and our backgrounds were rasters at the time and so it's actually it's quite a bit of bandwidth we've optimized a lot of that now uh using like vector data and stuff but we still do the heat maps in 
and some data in uh, uh, rasters and they, just, they take space and then you have to just it's like just sending out tons of images and the, the back end to generate the heat maps. Now, th th this is another issue we had is when people were like, we added privacy zones to people's homes so that their, their house wouldn't show up on the, th on the heat map. But yeah. it, to update the heat maps often and serve them often is, is super high CPU bandwidth intensive. And so, uh, and a complaint we'll get is, hey, I updated my privacy zone. Why am I still on the heat map? It's like, well, it hasn't updated yet. Like it's got to roll through. And we had to go into the code and actually go back in time and go, okay, what are all the rides that this person has submitted over the years? And we needed to block their house out of every single one of those vectors. <laughs> you know what I mean? All that kind of thing so that we could block out all that privacy data. And that's just oh. the personal data. The if you ride an illegal trail, we block it off. If there's a if there's a, a blackout zone that a trail association or maybe a private community has decided we do not want our trails on your map, that whole area gets blocked out of the heat map. So you, it so just, how, how, did, how did that come about? Like, uh, uh, like was it pretty fast out of the gate that you started having these associations contacting you and saying, hey, these are like illegal trails or did somebody actually try to like, bring you guys to, to, to a suit or <laughs> no, yeah, that once in a while we've had some, some people go pretty crazy. Like uh, you can imagine the flame where it's like, it's like, there's a trail going through my backyard. It's on your map. I have called my lawyer, you know, like yeah, you, yeah. people say that kind of, kind of, um, but for the most part, they're they're kind of they're kind of empty threats, and, and and we always just go take it off. I mean, we it, it, that's another thing people also also don't realize as far as maintaining the the data is is what you don't see. Uh, you can go to our stats page and be like, how many trails have been removed from Trail Forbes? It's like forty thousand. And you think about yeah. how many how much work that was. Okay, somebody requested it to be removed. Okay, that comes with the, the content curator. He says, okay, is this a legit request? Who's asking yeah. for it? Does he own the land? Is he a property manager? I know I yeah. gotta go look up the city. There's all this work involved. And it's like, okay, it's legitimately a illegal trail. And we never remove it. I wouldn't say never. Uh, we do remove stuff if trails are going on top of each other and one's just been like, like blacked out, which we, we can detect this also. But mm -hmm. uh, maybe more on that later. But uh, it, it, so what happens is, is, is we, we just hide the trails. Once a trail is hidden, now all of our algorithms know that anytime somebody submits a trail, if it matches that trail, we say, nope, you can't add this. It's already been added and it's been marked as illegal, right? Yeah, so yeah. we keep people from adding the data back. And this is where a lot of these other apps, um, uh, which all base their, their data on OpenStreetMap, um, suffer from where they, they have all this data that's just illegal or wrong, or I don't know, maybe some people like that, but the trail associations don't like it. You know, they don't yeah. want, they don't want, and the landowners don't like it. And, and it also causes problems with access when people, the people just are like, well, I didn't mind when a few people rolled through here, but now I'm just going to shut it down. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now all of a sudden there's people driving from all over the place to do it. And, you yeah. know, it, it's funny. It's like, on one hand, you're you're trying to help people get out there, but on the other hand, you're not trying to like mess up people's riding either, you know? Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff on there that's not necessarily illegal that we removed or hide. We just hide it. Uh, it, it we actually call it sensitive. This yeah. is sensitive, right? Uh, uh, and then we have trails on there which we call legalish. So that's our verbiage, right? Legalish and legalish, <laughs> and it depends on the areas. There's a lot of legalish trails on Trail Forks, which, depending upon the area, they're 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 
um, per, per, it's permissive, right? They, they allow it um, mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't get too crazy or you don't promote it too much. Like where I live, I live right next to the U.S. Forest Service border um, behind my house here, which is like a few blocks up. And um, there's some great trails there. And um, I just can't talk about them a lot. They're okay with them being on trail forks. But if I post it on Instagram or share a recording, yeah. you got to go check this out, go, you know then they start to be like, eh, it, it, the numbers hitting them are okay right now, right? And so yeah. They're okay with the legal-ish trails. I feel like, you know, uh, le illegal trails sometimes get a bad rap because it's like, okay, sometimes they're, they're, they're not the, the right thing at the right place. But on the other hand, there's a lot of trail systems that were initially illegal that are now, you know, staples like Sedona, for example. Right. You know? Or like yeah. I'm pretty sure the the system in Bend was all like, kind mm -hmm. of like they were all poaching trails, and eventually it was like, hey, we can make this like part of our community and like embrace it, yeah. and it's a good thing. So I think you know I try not to like totally bag poach trails, but on the other hand, like I, I try not to totally like support them either. <laughs> you know, what I mean? right. like, you got to be somewhere in between for right now. Yeah, so, some of those illegal trails have become some of the greatest trails ever. Yeah. Right? Like, and so there's some areas that'll like never be legal, probably, but like yeah. everybody in the planet knows about them. Like everybody knows the UC Santa Cruz trails. Like they're in <laughs> all the magazines. They're like there's hundreds of cars parked out there every weekend, mm -hmm. but you can still randomly get a ticket for being on them, you know? So yeah, <laughs> yeah that whole that whole hillside there down to you is completely um there's just tons of great stuff in there and we block that off of all of our heat map all of our ride line we block because they're all on our map you just can't see them yeah <laughs> right. yeah yeah so the whole area is blocked i can see them <laughs> like i i, yeah, I know right. there's like four people on the planet who actually have the full admin access they can see all the illegal trails you see uh, all the trails everywhere oh that's pretty rad does the heat <laughs> map work on those too you can actually see like areas that are lit up I can see them on a unfiltered heat map. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. So like you guys yeah. can see like, man, there's a hot zone yeah. in this area that nobody like knows. Yeah. Knows what is about. that? Yeah. 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 And, and, and you know, uh, some of the really good hand-built illegal trails, the people that use them, they know not to record. Like don't, yeah. don't record anything on anything. Just go ride it and don't record. So not all of it's on there, but um, yeah. there's, 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 quite a bit yeah. um that people record anyway and yeah i mean it is what it is I mean, yeah sometimes you'll see these guys that'll be like don't use strava that's what's ruining the trails but then it's like <laughs> the exit of your trail drops into a major hiking trail like everybody in the planet that walks by it can see that your trail's there it's not like yeah I, i've been to other ones where there's signs posted where it's you know, 50 yards before you get off the trail, there's a sign that says, pick up your bike, carry it out. You know, mm -hmm. like those are the ones that are like still trying to be hidden, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, anyway. hike only huh? yeah. or hike only. I mean, we, right. we added other activities and one of the main impetus for that was we have so many cities and municipalities that host our map on their website. Like, they're actually the source of truth for certain places because it's just easy to maintain and they can use our heat maps to realign and find trails and make sure that everything's um, aligned yeah. up perfectly. And so they're like, well, we have to have hikes on there. We have to have equestrian just so we can 
show other users what else they can do. So we added that a few years back, um, but we're still- Is there some kind of fee that those like entities, like if I wanted to use your trail forks on my website for something, would there be like a, a fee that I would pay or- oh, no. No, not at all. No, of course. Yeah, no, you can embed it. Um, and we just have any region on the website. You can go to any region. We actually have embeddable, like it, it is like so many different things. Uh, you can embed the, a route. You can embed a trail. You can embed a region. You can embed a list of all the trails that you built if you're a builder. I mean, there's like so many lists. So, so sometimes trail builders will go in there and they'll, they'll assign their themselves to the trails that they built or they maintain. And then they'll use a little widget on their website so they can, you can see all the trails that they built just in a massive list. Some trail associations will use our condition reporting system and they'll just keep the reports updated. They'll update the trails and make sure they're all updated with their um, conditions, yeah. muddy, dry, whatever. Uh, and then they'll use the weather embed, like the, the condition embed. And it, it's always free. And the website, everything on the website's free. And it always has been. Um, we, we've been acquired by outside. I can't say if it always will be, but it, it, uh, we're 99% sure it will be. Yeah, it, today <laughs> it is. So yeah. I mean, you can't predict the future. I mean, you can have yeah. your goals, but I, I, I can understand that, you know, and there will always be somebody out there that that disagrees, but whatever it, it is yeah. what it is right so um shoot now i forgot what, oh so you guys were pretty established i think for that that boom of covid because at that point yeah. i think most people that were riding if they were using some kind of app while riding or to to help with riding it was probably one of three things like garmin's connect it was strava or it was trail forks and and Garmin and Strava didn't really do what you guys did, which was give you the ability to, hey, see where the trails are and like actually be at an intersection and know, oh, I want to go left here. I could just go up a little bit and see it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, obviously that played into why you probably started getting all these like this huge surge when all these new riders came in. Yeah. So how did you guys decide like what the paywall was going to be? Was it like, Hey, this is how much our bills are. Let's try to reverse engineer this fee or like, this seems reasonable um, or it, you know, it was a total guess because yeah. at the time it was just like, we had no idea what, who, who how many people would buy, how many people would, you know, we didn't right. even, we still today, we do not require registration in any way. Anybody can use the website and the app right now without even registering. You don't right. have to. So, so we didn't even have a good count. I mean, I, I wouldn't even say we, we still do necessarily on how many subscribers we have. We can look at how many people are hitting the website and using the app, but yeah. we didn't know. So, so again, it, it's really, really difficult to tell. So we just um, kind of put a number that was just like, uh, what kind of makes sense for like, what's pretty cheap? What would, you know, what, what sounds good, you know? Uh, yeah. And we did the intro offer. It's like, you know, a few bucks a month. What is that nowadays? That's like, it's like a cup of coffee. I mean, you know, yeah. for the whole month. I mean, it's just not, it's not that much. We could, yeah, that, that, that should be good. That, that should probably get us so we can maybe hire, uh, uh, hire some people, a couple of our volunteers on full time and, yeah. uh, and maybe hire even another developer. You know, that was kind of the, 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 the goal, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Right on. So then you guys decided at that point, Okay, we're gonna set this this fee because you didn't want to go ad based. 
Yeah, the the ad bit. The, okay, this is the the people ask this that. Oh, can't you just add ads? And with with regards to Trail Forks for us, it's always been about the experience. As far as what, what we've always wanted to do is just get people so they can just quickly find out where they want to ride and then have the best experience out on the trail, right? So. Mm-hmm. The idea behind that is trying to have the most accurate data so they're not like traipsing through some old unused trail, right? So we added heat maps so people could see uh, where people are riding. We added a popularity map so you can actually look at the map and see relative to this trail system, what are the most popular trails to ride? And you can Mm -hmm. do that. What direction are people riding? You can see that. The, The whole goal has always been like, just get people to so they have a good experience. How many times have I done like before trail forks have i gone out to a trail system that i didn't know and then ended up hiking up the trail basically hike biking where all the locals were going downhill like i hate that you know or or getting to a you know just not knowing the best loops not knowing the most popular stuff um i mean i remember going to bend early on and riding and i rode some trail system out in the middle of nowhere i had no you know i it was on a map i had no idea that was totally unused unpopular not well known you know and so that's what we, that was kind of our, our, our goal always is just, and so advertising is like slow load makes things crash. And, and then you don't have control often of who's advertising what we didn't want people to get advertisements that we didn't, that we thought just made a bad experience or gave a bad right. image or whatever. I mean, I, I think about the times are my browser will like stall and crash because the advertisement, not the site. Right. Yeah, and that yeah. we're just like, we did not like that experience. It, Pinkbike had done quite a bit of that kind of advertising and done some experimenting with it. And the experience we just thought was just not good. And, and so, um, yeah, <laughs> that, that was kind of the, that's kind of the, the, the idea anyway, at the time. And we don't have any plans to put advertising on. I, I, yeah. well, I'm the product manager, so, um, <laughs> yeah. I, no. I don't, uh, I, I hate advertisements, you know, maybe that's just me. <laughs> I, I think that in an app like Trail Forks, I think it would be really, um, like it would be hard, you know, because of a lot of that time you're using, you're not necessarily always in good cell signal area. So you'd have to like preload them. It's just like a lot of yeah. logistics. And, and I can understand what you're saying about what type of ads you want and stuff like that. Like to me, it makes sense. Well, and screen space, screen space with a map is absolutely premium on the trail. Right. We try, you know, we don't want anything blocked if we can. And we are already looking at, we have so many useful, what we call live layers that people can look at to see. And it's layers of information that's being fed through people riding and people submitting reports. Um, And we need to have a way to quickly toggle those on and off. Like we have this ride lines layer. It's activity recordings where you can look at a trail system and see where people are hiking, where people are biking, where people are motoing. So you can mm-hmm. go, well, I'm going to hike today and avoid all the bikers or I'm going to I'm going to ride because it, I can totally see where everyone's riding or, or I, I don't want to be where the motos are. You know, they're going to be, I don't know, yeah. mow me over. So those kinds of things. Um, yeah, it takes so much screen space. We already haven't even put buttons to like toggle those. We have to like go into menu systems because we want to keep the map maxed out. So advertise mm-hmm. that. Oh, I can't even. Yeah. So what made you decide to um, still offer the app for free for like a geographical area? Um, I, I don't know. That came back. I guess. The, the, okay. So 
it, it, it kind of depends on who you ask, I guess. So certain certain people in our group in, 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 in Trail Forks don't like this this idea where when you say, "Hey, you want to try our app?" Okay, first you got to create a login, then you got to log, you got to do all these things. Like we we didn't like that aspect. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then the other thing was. Um, we didn't like it when these apps would be like, hey, buy our app, but you can't see all the features. We got these pro features and you're not going to see how good they are until you buy it. Right. Yeah. And so we didn't want that. We wanted people to see the full experience and really realize all the work we put into providing these types of layers and, and, and features and styles so that um, you can really see what you could do with it and then and then make that decision at least have that chance to see those you know and then and then the other thing is that we don't want like kids you know people who just want to ride their local trail system we don't want them to have to pay like the, the idea was this is for people who are pretty hardcore that, that want to travel that go outside their area and are willing to spend the gas and the money and the time to go find those awesome trails that are just outside their area and if they're doing that, then, then they maybe should support us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. I mean, so, that, that's basically what happened to me. I, what mean, was that? I, I, I mean, essentially, that's why I, I paid was because I didn't really use Trail Forks locally. I know all my trails or mm-hmm. most of them. Let's just say it that way, you know? And yeah, yeah. So it was, it, and I would always use your app when I would be somewhere else. It'd be like, oh, I'm in Bend or I'm in you know, wherever Washington and um, trying to go on some ride that I've, you know, just heard about from some guy on some website or something, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, that to me was whenever it was like that. And the other thing was there was a sort of semi local area that I was trying to learn how to, how to navigate my way through. And this is actually before you guys had the paywall. And I, I like got like a Strava route from somebody and i was like oh cool i'll just go follow that and then i got out there and i had no cell signal and then i realized my strava route was worthless (laughs) (laughs) so it was like fortunately i had a paper map and that i could kind of like make my way through the day at least but that was whenever that was the thing that got me to first load trail forks and then Mm -hmm. once i started using it then it was definitely whenever i was like away from home so when you guys had the thing set to like, what's your local area? Like the first thing I did was like, what local area am I going to ride the most <laughs> right. away from home? And I yeah. set that as home. People do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then I was good for a little while. And then I was somewhere else and I was like, okay, dude, guess what? Now you have to help them pay. You have to help yeah. them out. <laughs> yeah. I ran, I ran into a guy at a bike shop who's like, we were talking about this. He's like, oh Yeah. I, I use trail forks, but I only use it down in St. George because that's the only place I got my area open. You know, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you guys have put, like you were saying earlier, I mean, you guys have put a lot of time into developing a, 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 a lot of feature sets to mm-hmm. the, the site. Like as a YouTuber, one of the things that I thought was really cool that you guys did was you are scanning the show more in YouTube and if you see a, a Trail Forks link in there, you link that YouTube video to your Trail Forks page. Mm. So then when somebody's there, like, let's just say they're looking at the Downeyville Trail, mm-hmm. um, downhill, you know, run, they can right. be right there and then see the recent YouTube videos that are pertinent to that trail as well, That's which it. I think yeah. is like, 
<laughs> it's really forward thinking to like, mm. you know, back in the day, let's just say, you know, whenever you, you would want, like have people on your site, you wanted to keep them there forever. Like you mm -hmm. didn't want them to ever leave. And you're giving people <laughs> options yeah. to leave, but you're actually like giving them options to leave, but, but for things that they would be leaving for anyway. And right. I, I think that, you know, that adds to the experience. Mm -hmm. Being able to look down there and see pictures. Where do you guys get the pictures from? Do people post them or? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. To, YouTube I, I, to, to your first comment, we, yeah, we, we don't make money from you being on screen time. We, we want you just to get out and you, right? We want yeah. to get out there and get right. So um, we get the photos. You can submit them. We get them a few different ways, actually. So you can submit them when you're riding on the, in the app, or you can, after you're done, you can submit them. And, you know, if it's like, if you say, oh, this is a good picture of the trail. We, we really like tra photos that are indicative of that trail, you know, so that you can kind of see, yeah. so people can see what that was like. But we also, uh, when people associate, um, uh, they associate uh, reports. So for instance, a tree's down or they're like, this is muddy. Those also get, but those get linked down to the bottom. Like like, like the reports are kind of bottom, bot, you uh -huh. know, cause they're, generally they're not like real good photos. So. Um, and we're actually working on better ways to rank them now too. We do have a fairly complex way of ranking them based upon uh, how popular the, the photo, how many people view the photo, if they like the photo, they, you know, they, you know, those kinds of things. We, we have a way to rank those and put mm -hmm. those best photos at the top, but, uh, yeah, there's lots of ways to put them in there. We actually, in our ride logs, we'll pull photos from Strava too, just to post, but we can't take them and put them in our database. We just display them. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that makes sense. I mean, so that, I mean, either way, I, I think it's cool to be able to see that data or to see that like those images of the trail as well, because you can look at an elevation map and not really know, you know, like oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. How do you guys? How do you come up with your ratings of how difficult a trail is? Because I could say something is like intermediate. Mm -hmm. But my intermediate might be like black diamond to somebody else. You know? <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Um, that is a continual battle, and 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 for the most part, we we leave it up to the regional administrator because oftentimes the difficulty is kind of relative to the area, right? Right. Uh, and you'll get and and, and and that has pluses and minuses. Um, we'll so get like a blue places. Squamish trail is means you're rolling down like a. a a 40 foot rock wall. We and, get that uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> legit black. Yeah. That we hear that all the time. Well, these are legit blacks, right? Yeah. Uh, now, honestly, the mountain biking and mountain biking trails have progressed a lot. And especially in the U S like just where I am in Utah, everything was kind of blue and green for a long time. Bi-directional, right. you know, a funny, a funny thing was when they first imported my data back in 2014, um, I'm like, okay, you got to import this data. It's like, you know, a hundred thousand trails or something. They're like, oh, okay, we're gonna default everything downhill, and then we'll just go back and change all the uphill stuff because I didn't have it marked. And I was like, wait, you're gonna do what? No, no, no. Default everything to bidirectional. And they're like, why would we do that? And I was like, uh, in the United States, we have bidirectional trails. And this is back in 2014. And where I live, I mean, I could count the number of downhill. And oh, they're all Canadian. One hand. They're like everything's downhill here. Yeah, everything's downhill with the way you get up. Yeah, so so uh, it, but here it's changed. You know, now you have you get a lot more legit blacks and people progressing. The bikes progressing. So uh, there's a lot a lot more more of that. And it 
I don't know if it's always on par. You, you, you do get that, well, it's Squamish legit. And then here, there's certain places where they're like, this is, this is black. Like, and you'll get, and, and there's the thing about doing things relative. We have to leave it up to the trail associations often because they're like, no, this is a black and we're going to mark it as a black. And then you get some people who just ride bike park who just downhill all day and they're like, this is not a black. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, you just got to know that it, it, it's relative. I mean, and then you've got people who want to promote their trail systems. So they're maybe in an area that doesn't have maybe real high mountains or real steep mountains. And so they really want to promote their trail system and, and the variant. So they'll be like, this trail is called Terminator. And you look at it and it's like a gravel road and you're like, yeah. right, okay, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what do you, what do you do? You know, you know, to that, to some locations, that's a trail, you know, yeah. a, a tra it's a, an ATV trail. It's a, it's you're riding on dirt, it's a trail, you know? Yeah. And so uh, that's not everywhere, but some places. So you kind yeah, of, I mean, but it's really, I mean, it, it, it's such a hard thing to, to know, like, even if you're, not everybody travels all over the place riding trails. So they're black where they're at. Let's just say they're, yeah. you know, is what they know as a black, you know? And right. I um, recently had a, a similar conversation with a friend. We were all going to Sedona and we were trying to explain to somebody else that was coming from the Midwest, like your bike needs more travel than what you're bringing, you know? And, uh, <laughs> And, and they're like, what are you talking about? You know, like what's travel. Yeah. And you know, some of their trails, what they did in, you know, a 15 mile or a 20 mile ride would be like the first 30 minutes of our ride in elevation. You know, it'd be like, it, it's just crazy, you know? So, yeah. so it's hard for people to, to really know, you know, the difference. And then the other end of it is like what you said earlier is just at, like experience i i know that there's some trails that i thought were legitimate mountain bike trails i don't know what color i would have gave them back then but i thought they were legitimate trails when i was newer to riding and mm. now i'm like yeah that's an xc trail it's pretty much flat yeah. you know like yeah we've all had that experience where you're like uh, i don't know about all of us but you know i, I a lot of people have that experience where you're like I used to walk that like that yeah. teacher. I used to walk. Like, why would I ever walk that? You know? And yeah. part of it is the, again, the bike progression. I mean, I think back then, back some of the early years, early years when I first was designing the site, um, like I had just, I can't remember the travel. It was like a really low, like 90 in the back. Like, it's, like you wouldn't even think of that. It was like a cross yeah. country. There's a scalpel, Cannondale scalpel, like a left. Oh yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even a. It wasn't even a, a real spring. It was like a flexing, and yeah. so uh, it's so steep on the front. Now I I ride a rocky mountain altitude, and I got one seventy in the front. You know, it, it, it's and it's so <laughs> slack. And I don't even run it slack. I mean, it's got the ride nine, so I just I just put it like in the middle. If I slack it out, I feel like I'm riding a chopper. Like it's so much. I don't. I don't. Right. Um, I I can I can do any of the trails in here in Utah. I mean, the I can do Portal and Moab, which is just just crazy. There's a segment on there called Rocks of Doom, and it's fun to go down because you get to pass all the people that are walking it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like almost everybody's walking it. But I would I, love to ride that trail, but I'm afraid of heights. And the the beginning part of that is like, oh yeah, yeah. I've seen Have on video, it? it looks terrifying. Oh, you haven't ridden it? No, I haven't. Oh, no, it it's the fisheye. It's not that bad. There's only it's a, not? there's only a couple spots where there's one spot where you kind of like come down this rocky section. And then you have to take a hard right and there's no shoulder 
in the, the trail falls away and it's just a sheer cliff. And that's the only place that I kind of pucker up a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, after that, it, you know, the, the second, the, the bottom half yeah. is just massive car sized boulders. And yeah, the bottom half, to right. every video I've seen, I'm like, man, I would love to do that, but I don't know if I could get there. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite know, trail it, in Utah. Sometimes the, though, like you said, the videos don't represent things well. Like I was worried about doing like hangover or, or Highline in Sedona mm-hmm. before I had went. And when I went there, it didn't bother me at all. Like not right. even a little bit. There's a couple sections on Highline. I mean, the shoot's fine, but the, uh-huh. there's a section after that where you've got those like steps and that turn that are, Oh yeah. that's still, that's, I, I'm pretty sure I might've walked that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know exactly which spot you're talking about. It's like yeah. right, right after the shoot. And, um, you know, I think for me, I get nervous if it's, if it's a cliff, but if I feel like I'm just going to fall and like bang myself up, then I'm all right. You know, like if you're riding brewers in, in, um, Sedona right at the beginning, like that's a cliff. Like (laughs) if you go off, I mean, it's a wide trail, but like, if you go off, you're, you're falling for a while, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes those step ones where the rocks look really jagged, I yeah. I, I, I just imagine my femur breaking. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and my my quad just splitting wide open and just hammering. Yeah. So, yeah, but I yeah I yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I still pretty much send it, but I, I, there's that that one and that high line on that. I, I walked that. I, yeah, something about that with the turn and the drops, and it just was super wheel trappy. Um, yeah, it just I, depends I, on the day. I've walked yeah. it and I've ridden it That's and true. I, I don't feel like when I've ridden it that I, I was like, Oh, I got this. It was like, dodge the bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. True. True. So, um, where, where do you guys get your ideas for what you're, you're developing on? Is it all user-based still, or is it internal? Like, Hey, I think this would be good. Oh, like how do we get ideas? Um, well, the, the, the good thing is all of us are avid mountain bikers, right? right. So, uh, so, so Trevor lives up in Squamish. I live in Utah and we've all been biking. So from the beginning, it's always been, what do we want this to do for us? Right. Uh-huh. What do I want to do? Like, so for instance, um, I, when the new Garmin's came out that had the jump, stats the jumps uh-huh. you know, like the jump metrics yeah yeah totally. I was like oh, oh i, I want to try this you know so they, they they sent me what they sent me a garmin and uh and the first thing i thought was oh man i'm making a heat map of this i want to see every tr- every jump all over the world right and so <laughs> that's what i wanted i wanted to see that and 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 and, and, and so i crafted the, the 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 feature according to what i wanted to see now i knew right. there'd be trails with jumps but I didn't want to see a heat, you know, heat maps are basically a clustering of how frequent something is. Right. But I didn't care if there's a trail with a bunch of little jumps. I wanted to know where the big jumps were. So I made the heat map specifically a magnitude heat map, right? It got hot only as the jumps got bigger. Uh, (laughs) That's what I wanted. Right. (laughs) I want to know where those were. And so, uh, so, so I went and I, I just uh, data mined all the fit files. These are the files that that Garmin submit and it had all the jump data in it. So I, I just did a little proximity algorithm that would determine, well, if everybody's jumping at this exact same spot within three meters, that's probably a jump. 
let's let's figure out how high they're going. You know, the Garmin tells us how high they're going, how far they're going, their hang time. So let's average that out and then let's put that in there in the heat map so we can see it. And then Trevor on the website said, well, let's do a Strava jump kind of thing, right? Let's 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 let people compare their jumps. And so because that's what he wanted to see. He wanted to see how big he was jumping against the locals. Was he jumping big? Was he going, you know, was he, <laughs> were there people that were going bigger or faster or sending it? Yeah. More? Um, and so as a lot of it's this, this kind of team thing, we just do what we want. Now um, there is on the other end of this, uh, we get tons of emails, people asking for stuff and we continually get that data feed from uh, the, the, the fourth guy in the group, the, the content manager, his name's Mark Holloway. So he feeds me, the, the inputs. And he has a really good sense of, he looks at all the input, all the email. We look at all the social media, people, what people are asking, what people are posting about. Uh, we'll even check conversations. So people are like looking at stuff on social media and having conversations. Why do you use this app? Why do I use that app? And then we look for the keywords and then we just read the discussion, right? I'm sure people do this. They, they may or may not know that we're well, I'm a member of a bunch of different mountain bike groups on like Facebook and then things. And so yeah. I, I look to see what people are saying they want, saying why they use one app versus another. Um, and then we put that into what we want our app to do. Uh, and that's how we kind of prioritize and, and, uh, and do that list. If you need a guy on your payroll that just reads mountain bike websites and stuff like that, <laughs> I, I think I know, dude. <laughs> yeah. We might, we might be able to use you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, before yeah. before you had all these groups and stuff like that, I mean, one of the only places to go was M MTBR and mm. the forums, you know, and, and right. then later kind of Reddit and Facebook mm -hmm. groups and stuff like that came about. But it's interesting how the technology changes and some of those things are, are not as pertinent as they were before. I mean, I, I definitely was like a die hard, hard mountain bike forum kind of guy. And now... I only swing by there every once in a while when I'm looking for something specific. Otherwise, it's the the, the local Facebook groups really um, cover that well. Mm. Do you guys try? I mean, I guess Reddit has that or not. I'm sorry, not Reddit, but um, um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank right now. Pinkbike has that as well, though. They they have their forums and they're pretty. Do you guys do the, the Pinkbike conversations like mesh with Trail Forks at all or? Is there any, I don't go to the website very often, so I don't know what's on there versus the app. Oh, like, on is there the, any kind oh, of like geographical, like, hey, these are conversations about these trail systems or something like that on the, the website? Uh, on, or? on our website? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the app is kind of a view into the website. It has m most everything there. Um, the website has some little features here and there, but we don't, you know, as far as social, we really just, it's mostly just comments on yeah, reports, yeah. comments on trails, comments yeah. on routes, and you can, and then people submit photos and you can actually, we still kind of link to Pinkbike in certain ways. So if you post photos, you can comment on photos and rate photos. Yeah. We don't have so much of those social aspects. Um, for the moment, we, we really want to have everything in the, in the app. And so we, we, we've been pushing more and more features. Some things are, some, some features are a little more difficult than the other than, than others. Like we have a feature where we, um record when, when someone records their ride we we can actually paint the whole trail system based upon when the trail was last ridden so mm -hmm. you know when you can see when if it, when it's rainy out or whatever you can kind of see who was this trail ridden recently stuff like that we do that live when what we call these we call these live styles where they're kind of like 
because you want to know if somebody just wrote it, right? Somebody, oh, it's just dry enough. It just got written. We want that to be up to date. Uh, that takes a lot of bandwidth and processing. And so we're figuring out a way to sync that up to the app. So that, that'll be in the app soon. Um, so but, how did how did the relationship with Garmin that you talked about earlier come about? Like um, providing, because I mean, that was a big, big change, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, well, Garmin... Oh, I, I'm a little bit of a Garmin fanboy from early on. Like I said, when I first started my site, it was originally to make a Garmin map. I, I, I right. liked having the trail map on my bars. I, I probably comes. I, I was a roadie for for a while before this. At times, I just love looking at data while I'm riding. So, um, uh, I, I guess they just wanted to move. They wanted to get into Garmin. Wanted to get more into mountain biking. They were, they wanted to introduce their metrics, all that kind of stuff. And they and so it was a kind of a dual thing for both of us. Like, oh, you guys want to introduce mountain biking, and we'll publish that kind of stuff on our site. It'll will kind of kind of goes both ways. You know, like we both get a benefit out of it. Uh, and so then they give you access to like their data from what their their users are uploading, or. Well, we, we do that anyway. Like uh, we were doing that before. So so th th this is how the, the recording works. So you can um, hook up your account with Garmin or you can hook up your account with Strava uh, or you can go the other way around, right? You can go from Strava and connect to Trailforce. So that you can record in the app and then it'll send it to Garmin in, in Strava or you can record in Strava and it'll send it or record in Garmin. The best for us is if you have a Garmin. But you can. I don't use the integration with Strava and Trailforks. Oh, so okay. Strava has an option where it publishes what you do to Trailforks for you. Yeah. So if you record in Strava, the ride will just get sent to Trailforks. Do you, is there some kind of like profile or something that you have on Trailforks that you can look at, or is it just to like help out the Trailforks community? Um, so there's a couple things. So uh, one, if you record in Strava or you record on Trailforks, either way, you have a feed where it will show you uh, what you rode on top of all the different colors, all the different trails colored by their difficulty. So you can actually, instead of having this kind of like ride recording out in outer space, you actually see all the trails you rode. And then we detect the trails that you rode and we'll list them all. Yeah, I didn't well. even know you could record in Trailforks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, you can go either way. So so for instance, I, I actually record in my Garmin and the reason that is is because I want all the jump metrics to go yeah. to Trailforks. I use my Garmin, Garmin and then it, I push that to Strava so I can like make fun of my friends, right? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you can hook up the Garmin, you go, you can hook up and you you can go to Trailforks on the website, you go to your settings and connections and you can connect to your your uh, connect uh, your Garmin Connect account, and then oh. when you record on Garmin, it'll go to both. And then oh. and then if it, it and then if there's jump metrics, like if it's a 5:30, 8:30, or 10:30, that will go to Strava. I mean Trail Forks, and then you can see you can compare other people who did that jump, and you can see who went the highest, who had the best hang time, all those kinds of things. And then you can also see um, where you rode, which trails you rode, and then. What's cool about this is you can do other cool things later on. Like you can you can look at the map based upon all the trails that you've ridden before. So you can actually say, okay, which trails have I never ridden? Or and, and most of the usage of the data is actually anonymous. We don't we don't care who wrote it or who you are. We just take that data so that we can say where most people are riding, and we can say like this is where most people are starting their ride. Then we sit we we allow trail associations to see that so they know where they might want to add a trailhead or where they might have a lot of traffic or stuff like that. 
And so yeah. and we also use that for our heat map and for our ride line data so that we can show you where people are riding or where people are hiking as opposed to riding that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. one, of the, one of the people in the comments was saying that they were um, super impressed that they've been in the mountains, mountains and trail forks still linked with GPS was, was the GPS ability with, with trail forks all the way from the beginning no, the ability to like see where you are on the map was, oh, or yeah. was that something that was added later? Uh, you know, when we did the, the first version of the app had full offline usability. The very first version had the map with all the trails offline. You don't need any kind of thing. We, we only recently added the ability to load the base maps. Uh, but up until that point, um, we had been adding, when we, when we would go in and curate a trail system, we would often add the access roads. We have two different types of access roads you can add so that even if you were got out of cell service, you could at least get to the point where you could start getting to the road to get to the trail system, even if you couldn't actually see the rest of the data in the background, like the road. Yeah. Now you can actually download, pre-download whole areas and select the layers that you want to use for when you're <laughs> offline. But we've always had off full offline trails uh, on the map. It was never loaded. Is there something you need to do in addition to get that that data? Because I know whenever I like, let's just say like, I ride in California, okay. it says download California. When I do that, does that download everything, or is there something I need to yeah. go in and select to say, give me a little bit more? It no. It, well, okay, yeah. So there's two things. So the first one is if you download California, you get all the trail data, and and. I have to go back to see, we're, we're slowly tweaking it, but you can add all the trail data, the name, the difficulty, all those kinds of things that, that basically allow us to paint the map and show you the trails. Now, mm -hmm. when you click on the data, I think we also send the elevation data. So you can see the profile, you can see most of the stuff you need offline. Now, if mm -hmm. you were to go to the details and say, I wanna see the photos or the videos, we don't sync that. Yeah, There's right. No way we will ever But do there's that. access roads and stuff that you were talking about, that would be there. Like, if they're if they're added, yeah, if they've right. been added, and and then we we often do that, or when we review the trail system, because a lot of times when people add the trails, you know, the contributors they'll they'll, they'll add a you know half baked like a few trails or part of it, or maybe and then they won't add all the supporting pieces, the parking lots, the viewpoints, and all that kind of stuff, access roads, emergency access, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So we have to go in, connect that, clean it, um, get it all sorted out. So once that's there, yeah, then then you, you generally you can get to the trail system without having any cell service. Now we do now have an option where you can go uh, download a whole area and say, I want these layers. I want to see the heat map and I want to see this back base map and, and I want to pre-download just for this area because I know it's back country and there's going to be no cell service and I want to make sure those are available. So you can do that now too. Mm -hmm. And then I think you guys... Can you can build a route on Trailforks now too, and just send it straight to your Garmin? Yeah, so so you can't do it in the app. You can't build the the route in the app, but on the website. So this is actually pretty cool. On the website, we've got an interface, a thing called um, Route Finder. Now, Route mm -hmm. Finder is really cool because a lot a lot of people don't know this. You can you can go to Route Finder and it'll show you all the a bunch of the routes that people built. It'll show you detected routes. So what we'll do is we'll automatically scan all the rides in the area and create three or four average different, you know, different rides based upon people's locals, common loops. And then we'll show all the rides in the area. You can put any of those on your wish list. And when you put any of those on your wish list, it'll pop up in your Garmin on the, through the connect IQ. It'll go on your phone. So you can always have those. Um, 
that what I actually like to do is I like to see what people are riding. Like I'll, I'll actually go, Oh, what did he ride? Well, that looks like a cool loop. Send that to my phone. So a lot of times when you look at my Garmin, what pops up on my Garmin, it's not a name of any route. It's somebody else's ride. It's like this dude's route on this date, you know, and that's mm -hmm. the one I want to go look at. And so, yeah, that, that just syncs up and it syncs on the watch too. So it'll go to your, your, if you have a, like a Phoenix, it'll go to your watch too. Yeah, I have the Phoenix. I just I don't like it when I'm riding though. I don't know. <laughs> you don't wear it. You don't you don't wear it when you ride. Not when I'm riding. I I um I tried it for a little while. Originally, it was the Phoenix Three, and I didn't like because sometimes my my wrist would bump it on and off, mm. and then um I just didn't like, especially on road. I didn't like having to to move my arm to see like how fast I'm going, <laughs> and uh. Because right, right. that, like, that's usually like how I would keep my pace or something like that. It's like, oh, I want to stay okay. above like sixteen or whatever it was, you know. And um, it just seemed like such a like it's such a small thing, but to me, it was like for a hundred bucks for like I use I like the Edge One Thirty. It's really small. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah. then nice. all I can do, all I need to do is look down. I see what I I see the data I want. And I can look back up, and then I can like for me, Garmin. Garmin was never really about too much of of like seeing data while i'm on the trail yeah you know it was more i like the analytics afterwards so it'd be like right. oh wow like look at my heart rate when i was climbing or <laughs> you know look how fast i was yeah. going and maybe on the trail the only thing i really care about is how far i've been how long i've been riding and like how much elevation i've i've climbed you know what i mean where it's like right. somebody's telling me we're gonna do another thousand feet and i'm looking down and i'm like dude we're at three thousand right now i don't I don't know if I'm feeling <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I usually use, I have an 830, which I use cause I like the jump metrics. I think the 130 has those. The 130 metrics. plus has it now. The oh, original 130, 130 plus, didn't. That's yeah. Right. yeah. If you have the 130, but then, then you can connect it up. Um, the re I, I, I do both, but I, I, I take the 830 when I'm riding in places like park city ski resorts, because it, with it, with the heads up display, there's so many times when I'm on like a grab, you know, like those service roads at ski resorts where you don't know where the trail starts and stop. You don't know when you're going to get to it. And then you're like, Oh, did I pass it? Was this it? Yeah. And then you're constantly pulling your phone out. Those yeah, trails yeah. Where it's just massive mesh of trails. I, I, I run the eight 30. Um, but for local stuff, I wear my watch because I don't have to, I, I like that. I can see my heart rate and that's the yeah. only thing I show on it. I always just go scroll right to the heart rate and then I can just go, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, yeah. I know how hard I'm working. Yeah, that, that's about it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, the, the new one I have, the heart rate seems like it's a lot better. When I first got the other one, um, it didn't seem like it was as accurate as my chest strap. So I, I still wear the chest strap just because I'm like, I really want to know. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it would be like, I could feel my heart beating out of my chest and it'd be like, you're out of 65 right now. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Right? You know? <laughs> That's right. Or it would be the other way around. It'd be like, yeah, you're at 130. I'm like, dude, I am not anywhere. You know, like I can tell oh, I'm like chill right now. You yeah, know, I, so. I used to have one of those heart rate straps. And I remember sometimes my jersey would flap and it would make the heart rate higher than it was. It's like oh, interesting. Going 280. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I don't go fast enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's downhill, downhill. Yeah, right. No, I'm, I'm to totally joking around. So, um, so how many people were at Trailforks now? So, I mean, originally it was four. What, what are you guys looking um, at now? Now, let's see. Uh, well, it, it well, we got acquired by outside, so uh, we actually have like 
some marketing people now, but they're not really trail forks. They're, uh, you know what I mean? So now we yeah. have some of these jobs that we don't do. We don't, you know, it, it, it was always a funny kind of anecdote within the pink bike trail forks group. And people would say like, so what does this person do at trail forks? And it was always like, well, they're a developer. That was everybody. Just everybody's that a developer. Was the answer. developer. Everyone's a yeah. developer. Um, so now there's some other people doing other things, but as far as our, what we would call our group, um, there's seven of us now, uh-huh. which is not, not that, still not that many, you know, no, not um, at all. We're pretty, still pretty kind of bare bones as far as uh, uh, a group. It's not, it's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I say this a lot on this show, but I think most people don't realize how small the businesses are that they assume are like, I would imagine if we went out and like pulled 20, 50, 100 mountain bikers at the trailhead, how many people you think work at Trail Forks? They would be throwing out big numbers like, oh, 50, 100. <laughs> right. Like, like I, no, I don't think very many people would answer with with seven. Right. Okay. So now, if I was to count now with that we that we're with outside, if I was to say, if I was to maybe say, this marketing person is split between this. Yeah. Uh, and we also now being part of outside, we're also own Gaia GPS, like uh, the, our company. So there's also Gaia GPS as well. So that's kind of a a, a little more of a backcountry kind of hiking kind of app. Um, so some of those resources, the marketing and whatever we, you know, I'm trying to think like marketing, social, that, that kind of stuff. So a few people shared. So I'd say if you, if we were all off on our own, getting the same amount of support, I would say maybe 10, 11 yeah. best. Well, you, I, that's funny. You mentioned Gaia. What was the number? First of all, I, I barely heard you. 10, maybe 10 oh, okay. people. I would say maybe <laughs> bump that up from seven. To 10. <laughs> I don't want to be like, Oh, we only got this many because there's a few people that, do supporting roles no, totally on the side here and there. Yeah. So, but I mean, still, I bet you nobody would say 10. I guarantee <laughs> it. Like I, I would almost love to do it just to find out, but maybe next time you guys are at Sedona, we could just ask like, you know, 20 people as they walk up, see what. Right. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Well, when you came by and we talked in person, um, it was funny because uh, oh, I'd tell people like, oh yeah, we got two people here. We got half our team. We're here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 50% of the staff is at, at the event. Here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's funny. So you mentioned Gaia. Um, do you think that there will be some kind of like integration maybe that you guys will probably work on or do in the future? Because the reason I ask mm-hmm. is I do use Gaia for mountain biking because I can get a GPX trail from somebody and i can load it on there and if it's not legit let's just say then i can go follow that okay uh, well you can do that you can do that in trail forks i don't want to i don't yeah you can create a ride plan so if you go on the website on trail forks you just when you go to create a route there's two options you say either i'm going to create a route or i'm going to create a ride plan if you Uh do a ride plan it's totally private it's your own thing so, so you if it's a ride, ride plan, can I upload a GPX and mm-hmm. then yeah. it'll display it? It's just like you're it's just like you're creating a route, but it's just for you. You can upload a GPX, you can add POIs if you want. Yeah. You can even add extra little sections. Like, here's my route. This is where the viewpoint I want to get to. And this little section of downhill I heard is crazy. So you add a little extra line in there, and that yeah. all will sync up to your app, and then you've got it on your phone. Yeah, I definitely need to play with the website more then because Cause to me, that would be the thing where, or that I was at least thinking of a minute ago was, mm. man, it would be nice to be able to see the other trails. Cause sometimes when I'm just following somebody's Garmin mm-hmm. file, it's like, 
is that the turn that they're making? You, you know, what I mean? or like, or like, oh, well, where's this trail go? I kind of would like to explore it, but I don't want to find out like three miles and two thousand feet of elevation later that I shouldn't have went that way. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It overlays it, so just like you said, you can see all the trails and that kind of thing. So it's almost like you guys are mountain bikers making a mountain biking app, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and and not having any marketing people or sell. We, people don't know about the features, like just like like these things you're mentioning. Mostly, yeah. like like yeah, we we you can do that. It's just that. Again, we're all developers, we're all mountain bikers, but we're horrible at letting people know all these features that we've written. We just go write them and then we're like, cool, what can I do now? You know, what's yeah, the next yeah. thing I want? You know, I don't need to tell anybody about these features. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like there's a training course for trail forks, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah. like you're going to come on, you're going to kind of basically learn learn the obvious stuff. And then I, I guess, I mean, like, with almost any app, you have to take the initiative then to kind of see more for it from it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. When we were in Sedona and we would show people like the activity recordings because they're like, a lot of times it was like a couple, like what, what one person was mountain biking and then the significant other wanted to go on a hike. And I'm like, Oh, you can see right here. Look, these are hike only. You won't encounter any bikes. And they're like, how did you just get to that screen? You know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, just not knowing, you know, not, not, rooting around you just got to root around you know and you can see yeah that. so is there pretty much is, is there feature parity between the website and the app is it like one for um, one or yeah uh, not 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 complete so like again route creation ride log creation right you know that kind of stuff is not our route creation is pretty complex because we provide uh event courses and so there's so many things that we're to, to do for that, where you create time segments and all the different feed zones and these kinds of things. And so it's pretty, it's pretty feature rich for creating routes and then for events and then ride logs. Uh, so you can't create routes in the app at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got it. Got it. I, I can read between the lines there. So, <laughs> so um, what about the accuracy of people? You said that you can actually record your ride in Trail Forks. What, what about the accuracy in that? Like, is it, you know, pretty dialed as far as your elevation count? Or is it, you know, one guy can do one ride and the other guy can do another and they got 300 feet of difference in elevation or? So, okay. So that, that's, that's an interesting question because um, a lot of that is device dependent if you're relying upon like, you know, the, the devices, there's two pieces you're talking about. You're talking about recording elevation and you're talking about recording uh, tracks. So let, let's, let, let's take those separately. So tracks in general, it kind of depends on the device. Certain devices are better than others. Uh, a lot of the Garmin devices are better than phones and some of the phones are really bad. And then a lot of the phones try and do tricky things to save battery or to save um, cost of cell mm -hmm. service. So they'll try and find networks like Wi-Fi networks. And then you get weird problems where signals are bouncing around. Uh, and, and, and then they'll try and shut off and things like that. Uh, we've tried to dial that in over the years and we have a native implementation of what we think is a pretty good optimized tracking now, which we actually put out just only a few months ago. Uh, and so, so we think that's pretty good. Uh, as good as we can get from the phone, depending upon what phone you have, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, um, but we always have this, you know, where you're bouncing around cliffs and it's just, sometimes it's not, it's sub, we're subject to physics like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now the, the elevation is a very interesting question. Uh, you get this a lot where people will comment on trails or routes or things and say, 
say, this has this much elevation. There's no way I rode that, you know, or, or, you know, and, and it's kind of funny because, and, and there's two parts of that problem. One is um, elevation, depending upon where you are, like if it's a hillside, if the, if the, if the uh, satellite is drifting at all, it's going back and forth up the hillside and you have lots of little bumps, all that adds up to a lot of elevation. It doesn't feel like it, right? Yeah, yeah. We have ways of smoothing that effectively and trying, but it, again, a smooth is really, you're still kind of guessing or imagine somebody on a bike and it's bobbing up and down. If, if it's really accurate using barometric pressure as opposed to NASA data, then you're, you're just adding that up. You're adding up every little bit you're going up and down a foot, you know, up and down, up and down and adds up. And, and then, and then there's another aspect that people almost never think about. And that is as a downhill trail or a really long trail. So like, like you can even go, look, there's like a, like a comment on a trail in Moab where you shuttle to the top and it takes you like all day to get downhill. It's mostly downhill, mm-hmm. but there's quite a bit of little sections coming up, but it doesn't, right feel like it because you're constantly rolling into those uphills at speed and kind of coast and you have long breaks. So physically people think of typically altitude based upon how hard they worked by the end of the ride. Right. So they get to the end of that ride and they're like, what do you mean? I climbed 2000 feet. I just descended all day. There's no way your app sucks. (laughs) You're like, no, you actually rode that. You just didn't realize all the breaks you took and the rolling in and how much time it was. And so, and then, and then you got to think, where does this anecdotal uh, uh, idea of elevation come from for the user? Maybe what they are used to is something that was wrong. And now this is right. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that's necessarily the case. Yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense though. I mean, yeah, but people don't think about that. They just have this idea of this is the elevation. This is what it felt like. It couldn't be this. And so your app's wrong. And so we, 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 we really work on that. Like, again, we, like we, had to, we developed our own elevation service, but there are things that other people do that we can't. So, for instance, we get a lot of ride log data and a lot of altitude data, but not as much as, say, like a Strava, where they can actually look at super busy areas and they can average out and smooth out the elevation data and create uh, a little bit better. Right. They can be like 10,000 people rode this trail and here's right. what all of their computers said. Right. And now we can make an average of it and probably be pretty damn accurate, you know? Right, right. And and, and another lot of people don't realize is that barometric, getting barometric pressure from your GPS is very different from the actual altitude. It's much more granular and accurate but it also, based upon weather and local air pressure, it changes. So your start and stop might be actually at the wrong elevation. So you're starting and stopping at the wrong one, um, but it's more accurate in the middle, right? As opposed to getting the NASA data, which is accurate as far as where you start and where you end. And but the middle is a little more variance because uh, it, it's not as granular, right? It's actually just it, the, the SR, it's called the shuttle radar topography mission data, the SRTM data. It's only so accurate. And then depending upon where you are, uh, it's accurate in different places. So like in the U.S., it's more accurate. It's at more accurate closer to cities. It's more accurate. And then like the U.S. pays for the shuttle. So they don't get the high resolution data and give it over to Europe, right? They, it's, it's here. And so that, it varies on location there too. So when people ask about elevation, it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> With the explanation, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting topic. You can probably tell, I wrote the elevation service. I deal, I've dealt with this it programmatically for years and so it's a it's a it's an interesting problem to solve from a developer standpoint yeah i would imagine i mean just i I think you know 
most of us don't think about the difference between, you know, elevation coming from barometric or some satellite, or I'm just like, I don't know, some magic in that box that tells me how many feet I climb, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even mention satellite triangulation. Yeah. And then that gets blocked by cliffs and yeah, there's so many things at play, but uh, yeah. What, so would you say it? then the devices are, are like way better than the phones or would you say that some of the new phones are, like the new iPhone or the, the new whatever, you know, Google phone or something like that. Are those like super accurate or do you think that, um, that the Garmin or the Wahoo kind of devices still have an up, upper hand there? So, so, okay. So the, 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 I'm not sure about the Wahoo exactly, but the, a lot of the Garmin units will use barometric air pressure. So that's always going to be your most granular accuracy. And then if you actually look at the Garmin data, they do the same smoothing, right? I, I, you can tell that the, the data, even though you went a certain distance, they'll, they'll use the same elevation point for multiple points along the route because they understand that up and down moving. Um, and so they've, they've, they manipulate that data too. Like I don't say manipulate, but they smooth it. And so it's more accurate. It actually ends up being more true to life. And so it's, it makes sense to do that. Um, but as far as tracing your track, um, yeah, the Garmin units tend to be better because that's such a priority for them, right? And even mm -hmm. Garmin itself, has, they've gone through different iterations where I remember there were some units that were super accurate and then they like changed their GPS chip, maybe go cheap or something. And then suddenly it wasn't good. And it wasn't as mm -hmm. good. And we could actually tell that we could look when we're looking at the recording. I'd be like, oh, that guy's got a four, a 501 or whatever. You know, I can always yeah, tell. Yeah. Like, oh. And then the watches like the Phoenixes were generally really poor early on. Now they're just as good as the Garmin, the Edge units. They're like like the Phoenix. Yeah, they're actually like just as good. And we can I tell because we can look at the heat map, and then we can do a standard deviation by looking at the devices and seeing how much they vary from the averages, from real life averages. So in the um, data that you get from Garmin or wherever, it's also like in that GPX file is also the the hardware that it's it's taken with. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, so we don't pull the elevation from our service unless we have to. So if the Garmin sends it along or Strava sends it along, which they typically do, uh -huh. uh, we get that data um, from there. And then we just use that in the ride log. So, right. but, but there's a lot of cases where it doesn't come along recording in the app. Um, we need to get it from elevation service or they, sometimes the apps will use, sometimes the phones will have triangulation. I, I think I have to check with latest APIs, but um <clears throat> Yeah, we don't. Some of the data comes, and we have to complement it. You know, put our uh, data, our elevation data, with it. But sometimes, a lot of times, it just comes from the app, comes from the the, the units, right. and that's the elevation data coming from the units is always really good. It's better than what we can do from, because just, again, the the satellite, the, the SRTM data, the data that comes from NASA is not very granular. You know, in a lot of places, it's like one elevation point every thirty meters. <laughs> that's what you get. Yeah. yeah. That's not very, yeah, that's not very accurate. Not very good. Yeah. So um, I've only used Trailforks in the U.S. And mm -hmm. assuming that you guys also had some of your beginnings in Canada, there would be some pretty strong pl places to look for trails. How is it the experience internationally? Is it just as like populated in Europe or Asia or? Um, yeah, Asia is a little spotty. Uh, uh Europe's actually really, really good. The, the difficulty with Europe is kind of depends on where you are. But like if you're talking about the UK, um, a lot of the trails are illegal there. Like a lot of them are social trails. There's a lot, you know, so, so, mm -hmm. so that's a little more difficult. 
They have some great stuff there, though. Um, we have some really good administrators in Spain and Italy, Pyrenees and the Alps, and they keep that updated. So you can go all across Europe and, and just have really great data. Uh, New Zealand and Australia, also really good. And, and mm. uh, when we were at um, Sea Otter, we had one of the trail builders from Australia come up to our booth and said, yeah, I talked to the forest service in Australia and I keep telling them, you just got to make trail forks the single source of data for all your forestry government data because it, they've got all the trails and your, your government data is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really good. Yeah. How do you deal with like the different regulations and laws from different countries? Is it all from just the local administrator? Cause like, yeah, for instance, Scotland, they have the right to roam. So you're allowed to like ride wherever you want, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know how that plays out, you know, as far as what's <laughs> legal and what's not, you know? Yeah. It's and, totally, and it's totally group of seven people. I'm sure like not one of you is like the, the <laughs> geographical lawyer, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So again, it's all a regional thing and we do get, we do get interesting requests from all over the world to remove data. And the funnier ones, our content managers will send it to over to us, kind of throw it on our Slack when they think it's like funny. Mm -hmm. um, like they'll get stuff like, we have a nuclear base and it's on your map. Can you remove it? You know, like we don't want people to see that. Yeah, I don't, for whatever yeah. reason, security or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of like, yeah, that's just our like satellite imagery. Like we don't, uh, you're going to have to have to talk to somebody else for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but we get all these kind of crazy requests from places, but the, the, the regional admins are really good. Um, they do the, the, all the internationalization. So the, the translating, so you can use the app and switch your language to a bunch of languages, like 15, I think we have now. So they all just, they update that and keep that pretty well updated. We have a really nice interface that like kind of on our website where for these admins where they can go into and just see all the tra translations and which ones are missing so they can fill in text and that kind of thing um and yeah, yeah they keep it up to date really really well there um yeah go look at it you just go, go on the map go check out the pyrenees go check out the alps um i was in spain a while back using it it's kind of cool to see some of the mountains uh near the coast there uh on there and yeah. Do you guys have, have plans for like integration for something similar to how you can pan around on Google and be somewhere and like see what it looks like? Um, you like know, a a lot of that, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. A lot of that kind of um, is, is the 3d tech kind of comes typically with that. We wouldn't go do that in house because that's just like, that's big R and D three. Right. So we would just utilize a library for that. Like we'd use Mapbox or whatever, you know, libraries. Uh, uh -huh. I, I haven't played with the 3D Mapbox stuff that much right now, but I think they're doing a lot of that kind of stuff, like what you're talking about, pretty good. And so we'll pull that in and, and use that for sure. Yeah. What do you What do you see for the future? What do you, what, do you, what What does like Trail Forks look like to you ten years or fifteen years from now? <laughs> oh man! Wow. Uh, I don't know how much I can talk about like new features in the pipe or stuff that we have on the. Yeah. Yeah. I understand where yeah. you're coming from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm trying to think what I can, you know, like, what I can, I can say right, right now, what, what, again, our, 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 our overriding goal really is to just get people having a good time out on the trail. So um, we're trying to use a lot of the anonymized data to just try and really 
better characterize the trail so people really know what they're going to get to. And, and so that when they get out there, they, they know what's going to give them the best experience. And so that's kind of how we're doing our features, right? So yeah. like we have some, we have some really cool layers that kind of show stuff like flow and direction. And we really want people to be able to get on the trail and no matter where they are, they look at the app and they're just like, Oh, what do I do now? And the app does everything to tell them. I okay. think the direction, the direction is really key. I, I really, um, there's some local spots that I ride that typically I tell people like, Hey, if you want to go here your first couple of times, you have to go with a guide because you're going to pick the wrong direction and, and right. you could do that over and over again and have a horrible day. Or you could mm -hmm. go with somebody that knows their way around and like think that place is awesome. You know? Right. So I think those, that's definitely a key matrix to see. Yeah. We, we do have flow the trail flow on the website where it shows you the arrows, but it was kind of built more as a tool for builders so they could see which direction people were riding and where they might have congestion spots and whether the underlying data was correct and that kind of thing. Like this trail is primary, but it's going the wrong direction or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. But we are recrafting that to be more like a, you get to a location and it's going to be like, oh, you want to go this way with a high probability this way is bi-directional go this you know th that's where everyone's riding there's these yeah. directions and so so those kinds of things we want to, to be more externalized uh we, we also want to build in more tools for our search and rescue to help people have a a good experience even when they're not having a good experience yeah. <laughs> right we do have a, a search and rescue interface but uh there's a lot more we could do with it to really help uh, so that's a separate interface for the actual search and rescue teams, or is that for somebody that's trying to get rescued? Yeah. So, so what you d may or may not know is in our app, we have a emergency button, 911. You've probably seen it. It's kind of big and red and okay. um, it, it based upon depending on what location you're in the U S so it'd be 911. Right. Um, what you don't realize is that if you click that, if there's a local search and rescue in the area, they will know that you clicked it and where you are. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not they're not going to know you. All they're going to know is they'll look on a map and say, oh, somebody might be in an emergency right now at this location. And the mm -hmm. whole point of that is so that if somebody calls it's ready to go, they know where it is. Right. They're mm -hmm. right there. And we have several places. So it doesn't send somebody. It's not like you click. They're, that they're not going to send anybody. Nobody yeah. knows who it is. It's completely anonymous. It's just like, bing. you know, it's just a it's just a blip. So if somebody calls and says, hey, I'm at a, I, I, I crashed or whatever, I, I need help. Or if somebody reports, oh, somebody was missing and it's all time-based, right? So that yeah. pings and then after a while it goes away. It's enough. Yeah, yeah. It's not recorded. It's not kept. So, um, so we have search and rescue that, but we want to expand that to be more like um, creating group search events and you can track who's looking for who to find who's already passed, what location they've already mm -hmm. looked you know, so they know what they've covered. So they make sure they found the person, you know, uh, those kinds of things. The, the, there are several trail associations that use it now. And two of us on the team have been rescued by it, which is. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, 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 I uh, uh, overshot a gap and landed in the next jump and had to use it. And um, the Radic, the founder of Pink Bike, used it when he lost control before a gap and then flew into the side of the oh no that's crazy yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago yeah that, had that thing turned on in my garmin that like texts your family or whoever you had in there oh yeah and yeah. i didn't know 
um, what it did or how it, I didn't, I like generally knew what it did, but I didn't know how to react to it. So the oh, first yeah. time that I had an accident and it was like, you know, like I'm upside down in this freaking bush. Right. So I'm like, and then I'm all of a sudden hearing this like sonar ping. I'm like, <laughs> you actually you know? crashed. You actually yeah. crashed and it went off. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like, cause they have like a, it's a crash detection in the garden. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, like, by the time I finally realized it was my Garmin that was, like, dinging, I'm at, like, I, I'm looking at it, like, three, two, and I'm, like, I don't know how to stop it, right? You know, you oh. just start pushing all the buttons, panicking. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, yeah. next thing you know, the lady's calling me. She's, like, oh, my God, yeah. are you okay? I'm, like, I don't know. I hope it didn't call 911. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, I've had, I've had two calls, one from my wife and from my brother. It's, like, I just got this message. Like, are you okay? And I'm, like, yeah, I just dumped my bike over to like stop and get some water. I was like, nothing. Yeah, yeah, was nothing. I've never actually had it crash <laughs> and do anything. It's happened on my watch too. I, I was like fishing and I slipped and just on a, uh, just for a sec. I didn't fall even, but then suddenly it was calling my wife and it was crazy. Yeah. So I turned it off. I feel like it's probably gonna be like bite me in the ass someday. Like, <laughs> well, maybe maybe turn it on when you know you're doing like some mega epic in the middle of nowhere. Something sketchy, and right? Gone for like nine hours. Right. That's so speaking of middle of nowhere, I yeah. went on a ride in an area that was less than mapped last year, and okay. uh, we ended up because the people we were with, we knew like, hey, there's a creek over here by this trail or there's a a big water pool or something like that that we were using for we were filtering water okay I have something on trail forks that is like water sources that like are pins yeah water sources yeah we do and, and we do have a water source and so like where i live here um i live next to american fork canyon and there's probably four springs uh, all around the canyon. You can actually go there and ride all day and never bring a water bottle if you know exactly where they are. And I added them all on there. Um, and, and for a long time, it was this little tiny droplet of water and you could barely see it. But we just uh-huh. changed this. You should be able to see it better. But again, still people have to add those. So we've been, we've been, and a lot of people didn't know about it. Uh, so people have been adding them and we add them when we can. But um, if you know some, you know, add them. Yeah. Um, it's community based. Yeah. What, one difficulty you run into that is, um, like, for instance, during COVID, a ton of them were turned off. They just turned off all the water fountains. And so it's yeah. like, oh, there's a water fountain here. No, it's like tape around it. You can't yeah, get it. Yeah. Or, or, and then, and then, and then, like in AF Canyon, there's, there was a really dry summer and two of them were just totally dried up. And yep. one of them just like tasted like, just like, you know, dirt. And so yeah. it was like, you can't eat that. But normally, normally, all four just gushing, you know, crystal clear water, you can just drink right out of it. Um, so that, that's, it makes me a little nervous. I, I think I think what we might want to do is maybe add some more details of these POIs, like seasonal or um, you know uh, intermittent. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah, like needs uh, filtered or something like that. You know, yeah, we've had. So I guess you could get into an issue where like, is this potable? Like I thought it was, and they were just telling me that hey, there's water there. Like you got to freaking uh-huh. know that. Yeah, that's a that's a good. You know, th- this kind of thing is generally generally more important to backcountry hikers and through yeah. hikers doing like the pct and so it's something we've heard a lot more about as we've added national that's kind of the area that i was riding in let's just say that so, okay. like, yeah it's a good idea non-potable 
intermittent, all good things we should add to that. We, we've had the water feature in our app for a long time for race courses because people have water zones, right? Uh -huh. We have two ways. There's like aid stations, which typically means like somebody standing there with like, I don't know, you know, bars and things to eat. Yeah. And then also like water. But then sometimes there's just like water only stations. And so we've always had that differentiation, but it's not used as much maybe. So and somebody, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the other thing about water sources is there's like in some places you're crossing a stream every 10 feet. You know what I mean? It, it gets ridiculous. Yeah. And then there's waterfall. So um, we could probably refine that a little bit. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you go to Oregon's trail map and it's just a big water, yeah. big water drop everywhere. You're yeah. like, okay. Bring your, yeah, yeah, right. bring your snorkel. Right. So <laughs> you were mentioning the race stuff. So is that like the race coordinator, like they reach out to you and then, the riders just can bring up the the actual course and you can see all the other riders if they're starting their stuff on there. How, how does that work? Um, yeah, well, it, it's just for courses, but it, anytime you create a, a, a race course, um, there's a thing where you can mark on there that it is specifically a race course. And then oh, okay. once you do that, what happens is, is it, it'll, it'll automatically come to the Garmin under races. So if people are lining up, if you're lining up for a race, it's just easy to get to it and quickly to see, it. just go show me the local races and it'll show you them. And then you grab the course, then it'll load up in your Garmin. It'll also mm -hmm. load on the, on the app. So uh, a lot of times people just want to use it for pre-writing. They're not necessarily even use it or they just want to see the course online and then yeah. on the app they'll take it so they can go pre-ride the course and go see. When I used to mountain bike race cross country, I, I used to always pre-ride because it, it, it just, it makes a world of difference. If it's yeah, like, yeah, you totally. don't know. And so, especially on the downhill sections and knowing where the pass zones are and things. So, uh, yeah, so pre-riding is really huge. And then for really big races, we'll do things like here they have the Park City Point to Point. And it's such a long race that we actually created four courses. One is just the course. And then the other three are the three training segments. So they're the three parts. So you can go up and experience each part and see what they all are. And then you'll kind of piece it together on race day. It's not a race you want to do every, you know. You don't want to pre-ride the whole thing. Maybe you do. I don't know. But you, mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to do it right before the race. You know what I mean? Like it's a really long, hard race. So, yeah. Uh, yeah and then we provide all these other things in there like time zones and the feed zones and start mm -hmm. and stuff. And then POIs are associated just with the race course uh, route itself. So, for instance, if you put a feed zone or a parking spot, that might not be parking all the time. It might just be race day parking, right? So, mm -hmm. specifically, can associate that. Like, you can even draw a polygon and be like, "This is wherever all the people are camping" or, or whatever, right? It's really yeah. good for race courses, and and it really solves a lot of their problems. You get these small outfits that are like, "Hey, I'm going to do this race. I don't have a full time GIS staff to do this stuff, right?" So you can mm -hmm. just you can, we can help you or people can go just create the course on there. And then we also provide print material. So you can go into our printing uh, facility. There's a print tool under our tools and you can highlight the course, get the course on there and print flyers, print media, print PDFs, print, you know, make a little graphic, any size you want for social media of your course. And it's just all free. Any, any event coordinator or event person can do it and we'll even help you add it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, I think do you cool. guys run into any kind of issues seeing as how you're kind of linked with Garmin and Strava if you wanted to bring out features that were similar to their products? Do we wait? So we like, there's a lot of overlap of features. I, I, so the question is so like, would there be something where Strava would be like, 
hey, we don't like that you're doing that. We're not going to give you our data oh. anymore or something like that. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, well, yeah, you know, we, we um, there, there are certain things that Strava really does well that we, you know, we don't ever have plans to do, like their segment stuff, right? And they're very social on their site. Like, you know, you you comment and you, on someone's ride, we kind of have that facility. Like we, we've had it from a long time from the beginning, but we don't, that's kind of Strava's thing. And we kind of just add it there for people who want to comment on someone's ride so that the facility's there. We don't really push yeah. it. We don't even market it or sell it. It, it, it. It's there, but that's really kind of Strava's thing. I actually think we're really like a good, a compliment to Strava as far as having the very specific trail information, right. uh, difficulty levels and, and, and all those kinds of things. And so, um, but there's, yeah, there's little overlaps here and there between a lot of these products and we kind of just all uh, like even our staff, we're all huge Strava users. You know what right. I mean? Like if you go look at any one of the people on our staff, you can go see, we've all been using it forever yeah. <laughs> and post pictures and record and we sync and yeah. that. So we, we, we find, we find the, utility in, in all these together so i need to get those guys on the podcast man i got a, a list of features for them <laughs> <laughs> i mean i used to submit features to strava on their forums for years like do this do that you know and uh, you know what bothers me the most is when it tells you you have a pr it doesn't show you your second and third on the same screen Oh, oh yeah that's like, I so then you're always like you're, you're like go back you look at your attempts and you're Oh, well, my second and third is the same time or like, oh, well, my second place is like a minute away from that. Holy shit. I killed it. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, wow, yeah. I feel like that is such a simple thing that should just be right there. So if you know anybody at Strava, oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't actually, I, we, we have contacts there, but I, yeah. 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 No. Well, man, we're wrapping up. We're, we're like right here at two hours. I, um, I really appreciate the time that you took to sit down and chat. Sure. It was really fun. And I, I learned a lot about trail forks. I'm sure that the audience did as well. And um, so it was definitely, definitely a, a, a great conversation. So thanks so much for yeah. taking the time. Yeah, of course. It's fun. I, I, you know, again, like we're all developers. We don't often get the chance to just like talk about this app we created. We just love yeah. it. We love to talk about it. I, mean, I don't know. If, you talk to me in Sedona, but it's like, I, I'm always so excited to talk about it, but we, right. we, mostly we just heads down, just <laughs> what yeah, right. I put in here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I and, always ask people at the end of the show, do you watch YouTube? Do, do I watch YouTube? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, what channels do you like to watch? Even if it doesn't have anything to do with mountain biking, cause it's always interesting to like hear some, some, you know, different content that you maybe didn't know about um let's see so i yeah I, you know I, I have a bunch of youtube channels that just come that i watch for all these mountain bikers but i i often i kind of know who they are but i just they just pop up on my feed because you know right, right. and i just what if the picture looks cool I'll, I'll, I'll watch it right yeah yeah and then we have local people so like like uh, there's a local guy that I know, uh, like um, does MTB Yum Yum. Like I'll watch yeah. his stuff sometimes. Yeah, he and does I'll, a lot uh, of bike reviews. Yeah, he does a lot of bike reviews. Sometimes he rides. I'm actually in a couple of his ride, ride, ride uh, videos. Oh, right on. Yeah, so we because he rides around here, like 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 here, and so I'll watch him. Um, He's like yeah. St. George area, right? Or. Um, no, he's he's here in uh, Lehigh-ish, like Utah County area where I am. Yeah, um, I don't know where that is. So like Salt Lake-ish or something or? 
Yeah, Salt Lake area. Yeah, like okay, right. yeah, okay. Salt Lake City. I was remembering it wrong. I think I, I just remember some specific video that he must have done down in St. George then. So Oh but, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll watch I'll watch that. And of course I'll watch pink bike stuff like Friday Fails and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. like kind of my fun thing. Um uh, so mostly mountain bike content is what you like. Most oh, but I also do kind of the bike and bass. So I I'm a I like to fish. So I uh -huh. kayak fish too. So, so a lot of times when I'm going up to Park City, I'll strap the kayak to the to the top of my car i'll go ride till i'm tired and then i'll launch off into the kayak on my way down at the reservoir so right come with the, so i do that too so i'll watch watch some fishing videos sometimes like 618 fishing and some some stuff like that um right on yeah i guess good yeah. stuff dude it's always fun it's always fun uh hearing hearing different channels there's always uh some ones that come up in conversation where you're like that that sounds really fun to listen to, you know, or to watch. There's so much content out there, so I always yeah. like asking. That. It's just a fun question, so don't feel like you were you like passed the <laughs> test, man. And <laughs> yeah, I watch a, a, a just a huge. And the other thing is that is that we have all like you've seen on these lists all these YouTubers that are all on on um, trail forks listing, and so I subscribe to all of them, like uh -huh. everyone on 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 trail forks. So. I just get so many, you know, so there's like pedaling Dave out in the, like, I'll watch some of his stuff. He's like, I don't know. He's neat. Like I, Midwest kind of stuff. And I'll watch. And then some of the bigger ones, you know, some of the, some of the big real popular ones. Um, right. Uh, Cause I'm now having like brain, but I can remember the names, but yeah, it's. Yeah. 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 No worries, man. Right on. Well, like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, anybody that hasn't, that is listening and hasn't seen trail forks definitely swing by the website trailforks.com it's spelled exactly the way it sounds you could search the app on the app stores download the app you can use it for free for your general local area and if you want to get outside of that then you there's a there's a monthly subscription it is well worth the money i um definitely definitely do not think that you should be upset about paying the couple of bucks a month if you like to use the app, especially if you travel and ride away from your local area. Um, it's it's really key, and you can be out in the middle of the woods, and you can know whether or not you're making the right right turn or the wrong right turn. So definitely swing by, check out their app. If you are not subscribed to this channel that and you're watching it on YouTube, please hit subscribe, hit the thumbs up if you like this video. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, like maybe Apple Podcast, do me a favor and write a review, a five-star review. If you don't want to write a five-star review, don't waste your time. It's probably not worth it. <laughs> Anyways, I really appreciate Todd being on here and, and chatting with us and all of you out there. Remember, it only takes a bike to be a biker, so get out and be one.